Welcome to the Hex Knight Podcast. This is part two of our episode on building city environments for your tabletop campaign. You know, like most fantasy games have a bunch of different, like, critters and species that don't always get along particularly well. So if you've decided that there's, like, a quarter of town where, like, a troll colony lives, that just gives you something to work with right there. Because the players are going to mm-hmm. notice, like, whoa, there's a bunch of trolls here and everyone is cool with it. Like, they're going to want to know how that works. And, you know, so you're going to have to uh, have an answer. But now you have, like, some really cool thing, right? Like, why are these yeah. trolls that they want? Like, why are they getting along with everyone? Um is this actually how they normally are? And all the trolls we've met so far are like, you know, weird barbarians. Um, you know, like be, make it interesting. Like use the setting you have um, to do some of the work for you. Like just poke through, you know, books. If you're playing a game that has like a published book and see like, are there religious groups that don't get along? We'll put two of them in the same town. <laughs> Or pick specifically religions that do get along to explain why this town has basically been, like, in good condition for, like, 500 years. You know? Like, you, it works both ways. Right. What species in the game world are natural allies? Well, if, if that's who makes up the town, then it's probably going to be fairly, like, peaceful. If the town is full of people who hate each other, then they're probably going to have a rough time, and there's probably a lot of, like, tension and strife. Mm-hmm. Or, um, invert the expectation, the players learn that this city is populated by, like, dark elves and dwarves, and they expect to walk into this war zone, and then it turns out this is, like, the one of the Star Trek planets that's, like, weird, and, like, everyone is just getting along swimmingly, and they don't understand why everyone outside the town is fighting all the time. Because <laughs> they have some specific, like, compact or alliance or leader or something, so, you know, like... Mess with their heads a little bit. I don't think that's a bad thing. Make it memorable. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So I think in order to set that up, I would start with a uh, just going with keywords and, and building it out slowly. Like, okay, you're gonna have this city or a town. Like, how many people? Like, small, medium. Do you want it to be peaceful? And then you just start filling in the blanks, like yeah. we like we've been discussing, like. Right. Okay, so it's going to be a peaceful city, but you want it to be a weird situation. So how can you mm-hmm. start adding in the dwarves and the elves and what's the piece that makes them get along? And just like going through almost like a like an outline, just like yeah. create a header and then start filling it in. Or that's what I would do. Yeah, I think that sounds really good. Uh, what I would probably add is like whenever you write down a keyword, if you... If this doesn't make sense yet, like put a question mark to it. You know, every couple of keywords, step back and start drawing lines between them. Which ones relate naturally to each other? And again, if those relationships seem like they need an explanation, put a question mark and then go back and fill out the question marks. You know, like you put a question mark next to the dragon that you want in the sound because that needs some story. Like, okay, so let's go back and add a couple more keywords to it. So we write in like a dragon priesthood. Well, okay, now our town looks a lot different. You know, just kind of fill it out. Like, you know, it's almost like a it's like a brainstorming in a corporate meeting, except you're actually getting results and you want to be there. <laughs> you know? Well, something you're excited about, not... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you're not spending uh, 20 minutes while somebody on the phone can't figure out how to mute their phone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
So I think between that and either just stealing a map online or just abstracting out the map, I think you can kind of focus on like we started with, like what gets intimidating about creating a city is like all the dreary detail, but that's probably not what makes it interesting. What makes it interesting is all of this stuff. Who wants stuff to be done? Who's angry at who? If I go into town and start hiring out my services, like was this whole town like precariously balanced between all the different power factions? And now that the players are here, they just like took a dump all over that balance. You know, that's <laughs> now things are happening. Like. <laughs> whether that results in the city burning down or embracing a golden age or you know or it just means that the mayor gets uh, assassinated and somebody else takes power like cool little if the players involved in stuff like this like they're gonna remember like that's you know like super cool stuff yep yep it's it, investing the world with life and getting the characters involved with the dynamics getting the players involved in the world and invested yeah absolutely so that they actually care and don't do a bunch of stupid nihilistic stuff you know chaotic stupid <laughs> um and i think too even if you're playing a game like nowadays like the idea of open world games is like a kind of a buzzword um and even if your game isn't super open world like you may still have overarching story plots that are going on um the city might be just Parts of that, some of the stuff here might just be side activities, or you may build your your main plot may still take place in the city, but you have this like a rich backdrop it takes place against. Uh, like, um, I don't think you have to like have everything be um, player definable and player responsive um, if that's not what you want with your game. Uh, but I think leaving it kind of open ended in this way um, can only work to your advantage. Yeah. I mean, you can have players that or places that players just will not have access to. It goes yeah. back to one of our rules where the, the game master can just say no. Like the guards will not let you go there and they'll apply, they'll get like the the master mage to blow up your whole party if you keep pushing the agenda or they'll summon, summon like a giant golem or in a sci-fi quest they'll get out like the mech warriors that have like crazy plasma cannons and just ridiculous right I mean, yeah. stuff. there's stuff that's gonna be you know like just because the player decides that they want to become the prince that doesn't mean that's gonna happen um now depending on your game it may um and sometimes it's a balancing act right because you want to let the players have as much freedom to do things that are reasonable but at the same time, sometimes it, I think it's okay to just say, you know what, this isn't going to play out the way you're wanting it to. Um, <laughs> you know, like these guys are heavily armed and they have a lot of experience. Like give the players a... Like, well, I mean, if the player's going to shoot for that, like mm -hmm. set out the agenda, plan out how you're going to do this. Like how are you going to take over the town? Yeah, and in that case, that should be part of the conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, not even the card, just like the game. Like, all right, you're I the game master set up this open world thing, and you're gonna try to subvert things. Like, it's on you now, and the game master has to like manage the reactions of the city, and the the reasonable reactions of the leadership of the city. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, 
yeah, like I said, like the players then are in the driver's seat and they can't just expect to like roll through guns blazing and just <laughs> right take over a full site, you know, a full organized community because they've already faced other challenges. I'm sure they've dealt with other stupid adventures. <clears throat> right. You know, but then you also leave it up to the players. Like, let's say that the game becomes about like, we want to run this place. Well, cool. So who are you going to make allies with? Right. Who are you? Sure. Gonna, who are you going to eliminate? Uh, now you suddenly have this whole, like almost like a, like a strategy game thing. Like, you know, you're basically like the fantasy mob or whatever, you know, like that could be really cool too. But again, like oh. the same sort of idea of just having this like living, breathing city with really like not that much work, you know, and bear in mind, all of these things can be done gradually. You don't have to have everything sorted out when the players arrive in town, you know, where do they go? Well, they go to the merchant quarters because they need provisions, need weapons and they need to do the message that they were paid to deliver you know was to a merchant so you detail that area and how that works you know maybe a couple of sessions down the road when they've been embroiled in like a fight between two merchant guilds uh they want to go make connections to the thieves in the underworld okay so now i'm gonna add some keywords and figure out how that works and how that connects you know mm -hmm. you can build it out gradually you don't have to uh i think there's an advantage to having stuff done ahead of time obviously but i don't think you need to again you know like a lot of what we talk about is just pulling away the uh um like the barriers right right you know especially if you're new you know you're trying to do this for the first time like don't feel that you have to do a giant metropolis either um one of the last or previous campaigns i had run uh the whole thing took place in a town of like 300 people like you could count the individual houses on the map that we had. That was how small the town, uh, and it was perfect. Uh, it fit a very like low power, low fantasy game um, with this very like you know just person to person thing. Like you could point on the map and say, "Yeah, this is the room my character's renting is on the upper floor of that building." Nice. You know, so there's you can go really small. Um, you know that changes the details a little bit you're not going to have a wizard's guild in a town of 300 people you're going to have the wizard mm -hmm. what you know you show up to, to town and uh you want to learn new spells it turns out the wizard in town is like basically just an apprentice who ran away but he is the wizard in town because he's the only one who could cast a spell right you know like <laughs> yeah just Take the trust your setting and treat your setting and game world realistically. And I think a lot of these questions sort of answer themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you avoid that situation because I think every game group has a, that one person who is pretty sharp and pays attention to things and will absolutely notice if something doesn't make sense. Now, they may complain about it or they may go, okay, it's a game, but they still have a notice like, um, my face-to-face -face group now has a person like that who will absolutely notice if something doesn't make sense. Uh, and I actually got, we were playing a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay uh, with a couple of people. This was the first time I played with a guy. And I had just grabbed, because I wanted like a very simple adventure because it was going to have multiple people who had never played before. So I just looked through some old issue of, of a White Dwarf magazine and I grabbed this little adventure about some knights who were like heisting people at a bridge. The problem is the adventure makes no sense whatsoever. Um, like, yeah, I was going to say, like, 
that the Warhammer fantasy role play doesn't really lend itself to reason. Yeah, to it, it's pretty silly to begin with, and the scenario didn't help anything with that. Because there's a bunch of stuff like the Knights is supposed to have been there for like decades, but nobody has like done anything about it. And it's just like nothing makes sense. And he picked it up like instantly. So I ended up having to like change the plot around. It was like a magical curse and a bunch of like weird shenanigans just to make. <laughs> adventure work um so take a little moment to think these things through and make sure your world like actually makes some sort of conceptual sense or right you know if it doesn't make sense and embrace that like just tell them like yeah that's really weird i wonder why it is that way you know yeah the the world is strange like people keep building houses and floodplains in our scientifically advanced society so people in your game world aren't necessarily any more clever than we are right the the last tabletop game i i got a chance to play was troika uh-huh. and that game thrives on that sort of thing right i like mean that, like, like this multi-dimensional universe that's mm. described as like this collection of intergalactic orbs that you can transport to and everything is described in really vague kind of mystical ways Mm-hmm. So it just kind of like allows your imagination to just take off. Right. They're hinting at things without really defining them. And so all the players are just kind of, and the game master are filling in the gaps. It's mm-hmm. just a different way to handle things. I got a kick out of that myself. Yeah. And sometimes that can be super fun, right? Just like everyone gets a riff off of each other. Um, oh, yeah. You know, doing crazy stuff. I did a uh, one-shot game of uh, Wushu, which I think we played once. The game we just kind of narrate out what happens and the more oh, details. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the game started off as a 1920s like noir investigation. Um, but that's where it started. By the end of it, because everyone kept like building on what was happening, uh, they were on a ship in the Thames River in London where a group of Nazis were trying to summon a T-Rex. Nice. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, I think, if I remember right, they were supposed to summon a demon, uh, but there are no demons, although there is summoning spells, so they just end up summoning like an angry dinosaur. So the final part of the adventure was them like fist-fighting Nazis uh, while a T-Rex was like rampaging through the ship and trying to eat as many Germans as possible. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it was... Oh. It was but yeah there was no logic to it it was just like like one of the players was narrating all of his actions in the third person like he was narrating a novel (laughs) so So before uh we get too far off track how Mm -hmm. do we tie all this together well i think kind of we ended up meandering through most of the um most of the big points, you know, like you want to look at the direct, like nitty gritty details the players are going to be wondering about and dealing with. Uh, you're going to want to have a life to the city behind all of it. Um, and you're going to want the city to make sense in your game world, whether that's just mm-hmm. looking at the map like right near or whether that's like factoring in like the entire history of the Forgotten Realms of Glorantha or something. Um, and I think if you sort of like treat your setting and your world seriously um, and just kind of, you know, start sketching things out, I think a story will tend to present itself. And even if a story doesn't present itself, that might be okay. 
you know, if the city is just kind of feels like a living place, but it's not that interesting, then that's fine. Maybe the players will use it as a home base because it's nice and quiet and they'll just have sure. this place that, you know, is still detailed and they can use that to strike out. Um, and yeah, and, yeah uh, like, don't be intimidated. Um, just throw yourself into it. It might be fun. Like, I think just I, like I said, like start out simple. Mm-hmm. You can build off with like a couple factions and a single neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. Just start build with things it. out with the keywords and like who the people are, what their motivation is, how mm-hmm. do they react to the other people in the other faction, and okay. things will start growing out from there. Yeah, I mean, if you want to prepare NPCs, prepare like two NPCs for each faction. One is like the leader of the faction, and the other is like some regular guy in the faction that the players meet. So if you have the church in the town, then you have like the main like religious leader that they probably won't meet, but everyone would know. And then you make like one priest. So the first time they go to talk to the church about something, that's who they talk to. You know, that's all you need to detail like a 50 person hierarchy. And don't feel bad about using other people's maps. There's tons of good stuff out there. Yes, absolutely. Want their art used? Yeah, absolutely. Go look around. Um, there's people that you, you know you can pay to like commission a map if you want something made, or you know you can buy packs. I see uh, maps and stuff pop up on like drive through RPG all the time. So just go mm-hmm. grab stuff. Who cares where it came from? Cool. You know, the only thing that matters is that it works for your game. But yeah, I think that's cool. that's a pretty good. Guideline, I hope, to get some interesting cities in your games. Maybe even base your next campaign in a city or around a city. Try something a little different. Um, I guess it got a little more fantasy-specific, but I think a lot of this advice is quite universal. I would say so, yeah. I mean, uh, you just jigger some elements of, of what the faction does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even then, like some of them, you can literally just do a uh, word replace in the in your favorite office application, just swap the city guards for, uh, you know, security forces or whatever. Sure. Sure. So. Light infantry or whatever. Yeah. Replace as needed. So. The elves become robots and the trolls become chemical aliens. There you go. You're Perfect. gone. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, um, what nerdery have we been up to or want to, uh, to suggest to people? Uh, let's see, because I'm kind of a video game design guy, uh, the, the media I would direct people to that I think relates in a cool way to what we're talking about here is the, uh, the 3DS, uh, Shin Megami Tensai games. I've those, but never played one. Yeah. I think they do really interesting things with abstracting out uh, big complex environments and directing, like creating the ambiance of a bigger, more complex society. I think JRPG, it's a JRPG series. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, like JRPG, right? Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to at least the, actually the super Nintendo. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they always do a good job of like creating kind of the ambiance of like a bigger, more complex environment, but directing players to specific events 
in situations of interest uh, while not presenting too many details. Sure. So that's perfect for um, acquiring a few things for a game, whether it's a character or a plot line or um, parts of the setting, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, well, in that case, I will mention, because I did also play a JRPG uh, this last week. Uh, I finally, other than a few moments a long time ago when I had owned a Wii for like a week, uh, I finally got to play a Fire Emblem game, which I was sort of excited about. And I don't really know what to expect. Um, um, I played some strategy RPGs, I guess they're called. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Disgaea, uh, which is like super Japanese. Uh, you gotta be well well braced for anime humor for that one. Uh, right, played- right. Just uh, the voiceovers alone. <laughs> yeah, I happen to I have a big soft spot for like stupid anime humor, but I have friends who absolutely can't stand it. So it's one of those games that's like difficult to recommend. Um, so I didn't know what to expect with Fire Emblem, um, um, but it ended up actually being really fun. The one I played was the I guess Game Boy Advance version. Um, hmm. And from what I could understand, there was a couple of games that were only released in Japan. This one was the first that got a Western release. Uh, so it's got the usual kind of stuff where, like, some of the translation seems a little wonky, but nothing that, like, ruins the game. Um, but it's very much like a Final Fantasy Tactics kind of game. Um, you, got, you get a boatload of characters. They can all level up. You get items for them. Um, you play, like, tactical battles. You have long, like quote cutscenes that you're clicking through as characters announce their intentions one line at a time um <laughs> the thing that sets them apart is that when you do dice they're gone um the reason you get boatloads of characters is because you don't get them back when they die um so that took me by surprise and then i realized this was one of those games where you have to just kind of make a decision if you're gonna like save scum every single battle or you just gotta go through and like iron man it which is what i was doing um, but it's quite fun. I understand there's like a thousand games of them and it's a long enough franchise that there's like fan wars over which games are the good one and which one is the right one and yada yada. I can't speak to any of that because I only have one life to live and I'm not going to spend all of it playing like 200 installments of a Japanese RPG series. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... At least the GBA one I played was very accessible. It was easy to play, and the mechanics are straightforward and easy to understand. It's not always the case for Japanese games. So, yeah. I will make a hearty recommendation for a like 20-year-old Game Boy Advance game. <laughs> Go play that one. So it's got a pretty... Like, it's accessible, but it's an interesting... Yeah, it was... Kind of set up uh, of, like, combat and level design and layout yeah they uh the map design is really cool it's all a top-down view as opposed to like the isometric that you tend to get in like Mm. fft and stuff like that um so it's just i think the modern ones are a little more you know like they have actual graphics i guess uh but it's very clear like there's different terrain types it gives different degrees of protection some units can move only in certain terrain uh there's sort of a triangle of like weapons affecting like Axes are better than swords, and spears are better than axes. Or however, it fits together. It makes no sense, but in the game logic, it's fine. Um, yeah, it creates like, matchups that you got to think about. Yeah, and there's some like your healing person. I don't think gets a weapon at all. Uh, archers can't fight hand to hand at all, so it's very like stylized. Uh, but that makes it like 
conceptually like interesting to play. Um, yeah, I was really impressed because I thought it was going to be very simplistic, and it wasn't. Um, I can be kind of a turbo nerd when it comes to like a dense strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I had a really good time with it. The story was fine. Uh, it wasn't fantastic, but it was fine. It was fun. Um, so yeah, I kind of recommend it. It's definitely something that I would like to try out more of. Um, I've been sort of idly pondering uh, whether it's time to bite the bullet and uh, purchase Nintendo console at one point just to catch up on stuff. Man, the, they're phasing out the uh, the 3DS and the, the uh, 2DS yeah, for the I'm, Switch. So you could get one of those on the cheaper used, and they've got a great selection of all sorts of RPGs of all sorts. So. Yeah, that'll tide me over since I've been crying snot that my, the uh, PS Vita is basically dead. Yeah. So, but yeah, so go check that out and you might enjoy it if you have particular taste. There's like a thousand games, so just whatever Japanese Nintendo thing you have, there's probably one available for you. So, and they all oh, seem yeah. to like dudes hitting each other with swords and permadeath. So, what could go wrong? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my recommendation. Yeah, well, I think that uh, uh, wraps things up for the week. So, we appreciate everyone uh, listening tonight and we hope you have a great week yeah i hope everyone has an have an excellent week and we will talk to you soon bye